0: Hello there, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and purpose and destiny, which is highly confirmed objectively by evidence from many fields of science and subjectively and in the multitudes of lives that have been totally transformed from their corrupt, hell-contagious, tormenting state of being into a state of being where God, the very creator of the universe, abides within them. And so this is a message for all those that are wanting the truth, that are wanting reality. And so what is truth and what is reality? Well, I will explain that. But first of all, I want to mention for all those that are new, that this message first of all has a large introduction to introduce all those that are new from whatever background in this world you come from to this message, because this message is not a message that is religious so to speak in the sense of the sociological impression or definition of what people perceive when you say, oh that person is religious in many cases means it's someone that believes things that are not real. But they need some kind of crutch or identity because they're so weak. And so they believe things that are not real to their own detriment and that cause division in society. No, that is religion. But what I am sharing with you is not religion, it is a far cry from that definition of what a person that is religious means, which is a sociological mindset or understanding of a word. Oh, that person is religious. Now, what I am sharing with you is reality, and you will find that out if you go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There you will find, there is a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you that answers extremely hard questions, the very hardest questions there are. And there are many links there that are highlighted in red print instead of the black print. Those are mostly YouTube videos that go to very profound and amazing videos that show evidence that is irrefutable from many fields of science and archaeology that confirm the reality of what I'm about to share here. Which is the most good news that you could ever know or hear and enter into. It means that you will have a destiny that goes on forever without end in ever-increasing creative experiences, according to your own uniqueness of pleasure, that ever enlarges. And I will explain that that pleasure is only found when you find ultimate reality. And so I want to give a very clear definition. But Check out the website at ultimatemeaning.com that flip book. And also, there are also many other videos there. So I want to give a very clear definition as to what truth is and reality is an integrous definition, a scientific definition. Everything I share is in total confirmation by not pseudoscience because many people nowadays, they say, Oh, we believe in science. We have the evidence. And you find out there are a bunch of liars that have no evidence of all when you do the research. You know, you can deceive yourself to believe anything you want. But when you deceive yourself to believe what you want to believe, you're not facing reality. Nor will you find satisfaction for the only thing that can satisfy the very core of your being is when you embrace what is ultimately real. So what is the definition of the word truth and the word reality because they have a close um, meaning with each other and actually are actually meaning the same thing. If you look up in most dictionaries, the word for what is truth, they'll say it's that which is real or reality. When you look up what reality is or the word real, most of the dictionaries will say something like this that which is absolute which is immovable which is indestructible now when we look and observe the universe we look at it from a scientific perspective we have the second law of thermodynamics the first law says that energy can never be destroyed you can you can destroy something but it just goes into a different form of energy, indicating that there is something without a beginning. Oh, so you say we came from a little speck that became a big bang? Oh, really? Now that's been all thrown into total oblivion, hasn't it? And some people are scratching with their fingernails to hold on to this old big bang theory that is filled with contradictions in it. And now the James Webb Space Telescope, which is 100 times more powerful than the Hubble, has put an end to that because even the top proponents of the Big Bang Theory say it can't be true because it's been decimated in 16 of its major points. And some of them are saying it must be that the universe is infinite and they have some other theories. But will they acknowledge God? What I'm going to define with this word reality and truth is this okay so we're talking about the first law of thermodynamics there's no beginning something always existed without a beginning the second law of thermodynamics says that everything left on its own will eventually go in the direction of complete disorder to total chaos but here we are in a highly complex universe we should have been in total chaos in the infinite past the fact that we are in a highly designed universe beyond what man is even capable of any, 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 coming close to duplicating indicates a supreme source of reality, far greater than our personality because it is so creative. Oh, I could go into things that God's revealed to me that I have not heard anyone else talk about He revealed to me even back in the 90s. They aren't that profound, but I wonder why people have never talked about it or seen it. I could briefly touch on this, but I want to get back to defining this word reality more and what truth is. So you say you believe in this theory of evolution, really, eh? How do you know you haven't been lied to all this time? And they've been saying it's scientific fact, but when you do the research, you find out it's a bunch of lies because that's what you're going to find out. And the evidence is irrefutable. Oh, you want to hold on to a bunch of lies and you want to believe something that isn't real? You won't satisfy the inner core of your being, for sure, because you have a God vacuum in your inner being. But I want to point out this. Um, So let's say evolution was real okay let's say you believe in evolution so if things were evolving and you believe things are you know the survival of the fittest till you have man evolving to some ultimate being what is the maximum result if evolution went on from the infinite past without a beginning or billions and billions of years, you should come to the maximum result of evolution, which would be an ultimate being that is so great that he transcends the laws of the universe, such as time and space, etc., and etc., et and would have total control over it, including time and chance, so that it would have negated the need for evolution in the first place, so that he would have always been that ultimate reality. share with you is this reality can only be what is the opposite of corruption because corruption is that second law of thermodynamics everything left on its own is corrupt that's why there's death that's why there's suffering that's why things fall apart but then we see in nature and everything these great complexities of design look what's in a little cell that you can't even see except under a very powerful microscope within the little cell we now know from electronic microscopes and i'm sure if Darwin knew that all these things were in cells he would have never promoted his theory because it totally contradicts the theory of evolution what's in your little cells are genes I mean, there is little robots, so to speak, that have two arms and two legs and walk around like human beings carrying packages on their back. Look it up and watch it yourself on YouTube if you don't believe it. I forget the name of the protein right now. but They're called different proteins. They walk around They get addresses to go to a certain place in the cell and they walk on these tracks and they even create tracks around other obstacles and they carry this load with two arms and they walk around and they take it somewhere else and then something else takes it and produces this and this and this and it all comes together to form your human body that is uniquely you. Do you know how complex that is? You think AI can come even close to that? Oh, AI. Oh, they're going to be superior to us human beings. Oh, really? You can't even, man cannot even come close to what's in the cell that you can't even see. And the codes that are in there are so great that I saw one thing on Genesis Science Network. If you go to Genesis Science Network, you can find it at ultimatemeaning.com on the homepage a little ways down. That's 24 Hour 7, evidence from top scientists and doctors and so on around the world showing the overwhelming evidence that totally decimates the theory of evolution and shows it's just a bunch of fables. It's nothing more than a fable. It's not based on real science, but that you've been lied to. You don't know how much you've been lied to. That's all. Oh, the evolution of man. Oh, really? What's in that little thing they put in the back of cards and in books and everything showing man? The first one is came from the tooth of an extinct pig and they made a whole skull out of it. What a bunch of fakery. And then the embryos that they distorted and deliberately lied and made the embryos look like it was some evolving thing in your body. And they still have them in the textbooks. And it goes on and on and on. And these are supposed fast facts. Oh yeah, right, facts. And then billions of years and all this stuff when the dating shows that the earth is probably no more than between 6,000 and 10,000 years old from all kinds of sources of scientific evidence that is far less presumptuous and based on a lot more facts. For example, now they have from all kinds of dinosaurs. They find blood in the dinosaur bone marrow, flesh in the dinosaur bone marrow, that can only exist probably for a maximum of 6,000 years. Wow. So what are you going to do with that? And I could go on and on talking about all these things. But you know, people can choose to believe a lie. But I want to get back to defining what reality is and what truth is. So reality is what I'm talking about. Reality is this quality that is the total opposite of corruption. And there's only one quality that can be the complete opposite of corruption that therefore would be that reality that would never never change and always would have been and always will be and that reality is an ultimate perfection of love that is so pure in its integrity that it will not tolerate anything that is contrary to love Now, when I talk about love, I'm talking about a quality that always chooses the highest-lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love is so integrous and pure that, as it were, it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to choosing the highest-lasting good. This is the integrity of God's love. It is the holiness of God's love, and it's represented in the negative symbol in nature, in math, in electricity, etc. Which, what does that negative symbol represent? It represents an indestructible foundation that can never be destroyed, it represents the cutting off of all corruption. God's love will not tolerate rebellion against him. He created you with your own free will. He didn't create you as a robot. He created you as the source of your own action because only therein do you have the potential to love and that is the highest form of existence and of life and only what can contradict corruption because it is so creative, because it has this quality potential. to always choose the highest lasting good against all that is contrary. But of course, when you create beings that have the capacity to love, that are the source of their own action, they're also self-responsible for creating their own destiny. And therefore, you cannot blame God for creating the devil because he created a being with its own free will. You cannot blame God for all the suffering because all the suffering is because of God that will not tolerate corruption. There's consequences when you rebel against ultimate reality. When you bounce off of it in rebellion, the consequences are negative in this universe. And that's why you see corruption in the whole universe. As we know it here in the solar system, And maybe, I don't know if it spreads to the whole of the universe and of this galaxy or the whole, but we know that God, God's love, cannot condone what is contrary to love. He is holy, so holy that he's a consuming fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. But the good news is this, that God's love is so great That yes, the creator who created you has the power to communicate with you. What do you think? You think if he created you, he didn't create you for his pleasure. He created you to find pleasure in you because he created you with the capacity to love in an intelligent way. He created man with their own free will. And I could go on and talk for a long time about what the difference is between man and angels and so on. But he created you. And he finds his full pleasure in you loving God. And your full pleasure that will never run dry of satisfaction and leave you empty is only when God dwells in you. And you can be reconciled to God because God's love is so great that in the center of history, he came into this world in Jesus Christ and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature. Think of that. And suffered you more than you, a mere creature, on the cross because he loved you as an individual in this world also so much to give them the opportunity to choose to repent and ask for forgiveness and cry out and say God be merciful to me a sinner cleanse me of all my sin through your blood that was shed on the cross forgive me of all my sin and when you mean that from the depths of your heart and you cry out unto God his spirit will come into you and abide within you as Christ said He said, whoever believes with their life into me out of their innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And so the second symbol is the symbol of the cross which is formed by the crossing out of the negative symbol because God took judgment upon himself for you. So that you can be reconciled to God. There are many idolatrous concepts of God that people have because they have been, in their past generations, Cain worshippers, worshippers of a monotheistic God that is idolatrous, a wrong perception of God that he's not merciful to forgive that he's not loved, that he can't be so great that he can come down in human form and communicate. But he can In fact, for God to be almighty, he must be in three personages because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence which are beyond creation. In creation, communicating with man, even becoming human informed to communicate with man and in omnipresence filling all dimensions of creation and time and space as the Holy Spirit and creative power able to raise the dead all at once from wherever they have died whether in the heavens or on the earth. That is very good news. But the other reason God could only be this love that I'm describing is because this love that I'm describing that would be so great to love you that much could only be entrusted with unlimited power and life and authority without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative that he is the very source. All this is good news. Do you know in Genesis 18 and many other places in the Old Testament in the Bible, it describes God communicating with man. In Genesis 18, Abraham is there. And in the heat of the day, he sees three very majestic men standing before him, probably perceived that they were from God or that they were angels, came and bowed before them and says, can I make a meal for you? And he goes to sends his servant to make an amazing meal for them. And they all eat. And he addresses the main leader as Yahweh which is the most sacred name for God in the original Hebrew language. Meaning what? The ultimate reality, separate and above and beyond creation. The I am that I am. Christ said that he is the I am. That he is God. He is God communicated in the physical realm. He is the full expression of the Father, which is beyond time and space, seeing the end from the beginning, knowing everything. He is the full expression of the Father into the creation realm. And there are many dimensions that are far superior in the creation realm to this physical realm, by the way. Maybe I shouldn't get sidetracked on that, but I've written a book called Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable. 368 page book that you can get in a large paperback on Amazon, or you can get it on your phone. This physical realm is not where your real life begins. It begins in the ultra-real permanent realm in a dimension far superior to this. And I can't go into talking about all that here. I mean, time and time again, when people are highly verified to be dead by medical equipment and doctors, they then return sometimes after two hours of being dead, or almost two hours in the case of Dean Braxton, and others, and they describe to the doctors in detail what they were talking about, what they were doing on their body, and they're in such a superior body and an intelligent that they can absorb whole dictionaries in a second they can see right through their bodies and behind them they can see 360 degrees, they can see 10 miles away every little fine detail. That's how much superior that realm is. For those that choose to not be blind because others don't describe such a great reality but many do describe that it's many, many, many times. One said it's like comparing 2D paper to 3D That's how much greater the other dimension is when you leave your body. And he's calling you out of darkness into light today. Yes, he he is great enough. God is so great that he can communicate with man in human form. As he did with Abraham in Genesis 18 and other places you got in Melchizedek and so on that Abraham meets. And there are many other examples. And he came in Jesus Christ, and these people that died and went to heaven like Dean Braxton that describes in detail, look him up on YouTube, in detail. Braxton, B-R-A-X-T-O-N. Look up near death experiences, N-D-E, Dean Braxton. And others like Dale Black, describe the same thing that when they stood before Jesus Christ, the love was so intense and in such a dimension beyond this world that there's no words to describe it in this dimension this inferior physical dimension. The love was so great that they knew that he was loving them like they were the only one that existed in the universe, like they were the apple of his eye. He was loving them so much that they knew that if he only created them, he would have come and humbled himself more than them on the cross and suffered more than they've ever suffered on the cross. That's how much he loves you. How can you reject this love and not cry out for mercy to be delivered from the corruption that is within you that is like a contagious hell, contagious, anti-life state of being, like a black hole in outer space that can never satisfy you? He's saying, whoever is thirsty, come and drink freely of the water of life. And he's calling you. And if you call in the name of the Lord, you can go to my website at Ultimate Meaning under the contact form there where there's prayers. You can pray with music in the background, whatever way you want to do it, or just do it on your own, but call on his name, on the name of Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus Christ, the full expression of the Father into this world. The word Son means expression. It also means word. And Jesus Christ is the word God the expression, the son of the only begotten son of God. So it's so good good to be able to tell you, you this good news and call you to come to him and to drink freely of the water of life. And so I want to share with you that are new also now. So that's the broad message to the world. Now I want to share those that have received Jesus Christ from the depths of their being and truth as their Lord and Savior. I want you to know how I share these messages. I share them seeking to speak as the oracles of God because the Word of God says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We are to seek as believers that have found the living God to let God speak through us. Now, this is further understood from Revelation 19.10, which says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God out of a pure heart and spirit and in truth, out of great love for God and who he is, what he's done for us, we are filled with His spirit and an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances beyond ourselves that are coming from the Spirit of God. And that's the spirit of prophecy or speaking as the oracles of God. And we should always be seeking to practice that. So what I do to facilitate that is I cast lots before God with two independent random applications to get the possibility of any chapter from the Word of God two chapters, so that they bear witness with each other as to the theme, as to the message of what God is saying at this particular time to the churches, and today is August the 26th of 2023. And so I have a message to give to the churches today because I have meditated throughout the week and cast lots to get chapters. Now, I don't have time every day of the week to preach a message like this, So I just do it once a week right now. Maybe I'll do audio messages that are far faster to create the rest of the week and just have one video message, I might do that. But right now, that's the way it's working. And so I'm gonna share with you what I received this week and probably share maybe what particularly, more particularly what I received today. I don't prepare. I just meditate a half an hour on those two chapters and that's it. I don't know what I'm gonna say here. I'm here to speak whatever God by his spirit wants to say to the body of Christ in this serious time. And most of the church is asleep. Now I also try to cast lots or to seek God to lead me to a particular worship song. And I'm very fussy about worship songs. You'll find on my website at ultimatemeaning.com. And also loverealize.com. Where I have all my messages on video. loverealize.com You will find. That I have about right now 153 worship songs. Some I don't care for that much. But I'm very fussy. And most of them are really good songs. Many come from the underground church that was highly persecuted in China from Watchman Nee's work when he was martyred in 1972 by the Chinese communists. And I want to share with you what I received. So, today I tried to get a good song and did cast lots. I didn't get one that... I needed one that I could have... that could be played on an overhead projector connected to the internet so because these ones are all youtube video ones with the words and so we'll go to that right now and we'll worship with that song and then i will get into speaking what god is saying to the churches at this particular time okay so we're going to go there now um here we go and i will minimize myself in a moment here I'm being so filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit that my eyes are filled with tears. Don't mistake the tears, it's not tears of of sorrow, it's tears of joy. Then was our heart filled with laughter when the Lord turned our captivity, brothers and sisters. I will just bring myself back up, so I might not look the best with these tears, but That's the way it is sometimes, right? So God knows, I, I, you know, that's, I was, I didn't know I was gonna get that blessed singing that song. Oh man, the presence of God in that song. Just overwhelming. You know, I've been praying and I've been noticing in my own life the tendency sometimes to deceive myself and want a wife and things. And I've come to a place now where I'm, after all these years, and I'm 73 years old, but very youthful for my age because I know a lot about health and aging, I'm finding I'm not holding on to any of that. It doesn't mean God can't still bring a wife to help me in ministry and be a good person. And, but for me... He calls us all on a different journey. It was years of deception being unraveled. And now I'm just falling so much in love with God, some other person. They might've been the vilest sinner. And suddenly they get saved and their deception is all broken just quickly like that. And so there they are. And so I embrace the one that only labored one hour in the field, though I labored all day to get to the same place. Oh, hallelujah! Praise the Lord. What does it matter when He's the potter and we're the clay? Brothers and sisters, God wants to baptize His people in a love for Him. that the loves of this world can never quench. And I'm entering into it. And sometimes I have to go help a certain sister out that has a lot of physical problems mentally and so on, right now. And when I go there, I notice in those units there, there's a lot of people that have mental problems and they're poor. And I'm just feeling God's love and compassion for all these poor souls. I'm looking forward to signs and wonders and miracles taking place. So many of them are in wheelchairs. And I'm praying that God will bear witness with his spirit with signs and wonders following. But I'm feeling such a love for these people that I see and need around me. Well, there's others there that are normal. But I can feel this compassion and love. I wondered why. My God, did you put me in a situation where I had to help a person that was so difficult over years and years, and there was no one to help this lady but me. There's so much tendency for people to judge by outward appearance and so on. Well, I've not even got into the message yet because I want you to know what's happening in my own life. And I believe God is calling his people to wake up out of their sleep. That's the general message that the Lord has. But I want to go into specifically what God was saying this week and touch on the various chapters. I believe even as I am preaching the word here that signs and wonders and miracles will bear witness with this message. So if you have infirmities, call out on the Lord and let his presence through this message touch you it's not anything in me i'm nothing i just want to be a channel of his love that you would be so caught up in love with him and that we'd be so caught up in loving one another as christ loved us and receiving one another as he received us oh how many times we hurt one another and i've been hurt by people that have wrongly judged me and said "Oh, you." you're legalistic because I challenge people to come out of the world and say, don't embrace these things, don't stumble others, and oh, instead they call you legalistic. I'm not legalistic. There's not an ounce of legalism in me. I don't believe that at all. I know it isn't there. Do I become hard and bitter at these people? Oh, I go through a process sometimes of being very offended because I didn't expect this these people that I love, to suddenly turn on me and wrongly judge me and humiliate me in front of others instead of coming in the spirit of meekness if they think I'm off. But I've learned something. If Christ loved us so much that he could humble himself, can I not humble myself before my brother and sister that happens to have a blind spot and wrongly hurt me? Oh, give us that love Christ had he says we're to receive one another as he received us and he received us as sinners with a repentant heart because you can't come to him it says in his word that you can come to him he will not cast you out, but you can't come to him if you don't have repentance in your heart because you're not coming to Him. you're not coming to him in your heart if there isn't a repentant heart you might Feel ashamed and unworthy of his forgiveness. That in itself is repentance. And there's some people when they entered heaven, they were so ashamed of their life. They were so ashamed and unworthy, but they did, but it was repentance in their heart that they were that way. And God had mercy on them and forgave them and sent them back to this world. That doesn't always happen. But I'm here to share with you, what I received this week by the casting of lots. So let me get into that before God. Maybe I should, I'm not gonna touch in every day of the week, but on Monday, I received Matthew 17 and Genesis 14. In both these chapters, we have God's supernatural provision of wealth to God's servant before those who do not know God. Or live with God as the supreme treasure of their heart. So I want to touch on that a bit. I don't even remember these things myself, but that's what I received on Monday. And so we read. Matthew seventeen, twenty-four to twenty-seven, and when they were come to Capernaum. They that received tribute money came to Peter, and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children, or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto them, Then are the children free, notwithstanding. Lest we should offend them go thou to the sea and cast and hook and take up the fish that first cometh up and when thou hast opened his mouth thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give on to them for me and thee <laughs> isn't it amazing how god supplies and then what did i get after that and the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Chedolamur, of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shabbat, which is the king's dale and Melchizedek, king of Silam, which means king of peace, which is also Jesus Christ in the flesh before he came to the earth. And Melchizedek, king of Salem brought forth bread and wine And he was the priest of the Most High God. Jesus Christ is the priest of the Most High God. The mediator between God and man, as it says in Timothy in the Word of God, is Jesus Christ, who is God, fully manifest in human form. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, And blessed be the Most High God, or the original in there is Elohim, the Almighty's, referring to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him thighs of all. So here is, and he gives him bread and wine, which is a symbol of what? What happened when Christ, before he died, he gave bread and wine is a symbol of his body and his blood being broken. So here we see that he brought bread and wine. And the king of Sodom and said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto Yahweh, the Most High, Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Possessor of Heaven and Earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoelash and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I made Abraham rich. Do You see how God wants to be glorified in providing for his people in a time when it may come to the place, because apparently they're planning to bring out things soon again that will be, mandates and so on to control people. I don't think it'll work because the mass of people have woken up and are taking action. But nevertheless, if your bank account gets canceled, do you think God can't do miracles and provide? Do you think you can't trust him? If the Antichrist comes along and You don't want to get the mark of the beast so you can't even buy or sell anything. Do you think that God doesn't have supernatural power to do such things that will glorify his name and his people to show provision in the land of Goshen that doesn't happen in the world system of Egypt? Representing this world in the last days as well where people have sold themselves oh for the temporal baits of temporal physical satisfactions that are used to manipulate their lives to total destruction and control under powers to be that are so deluded themselves that they're destroying their own selves in their own deceptive corruption. God is calling his people to recognize in this hour that we may need to pay a price. And it may mean that our life is not a life that is broad with the distractions of the world, but has been narrowed into a love relationship with Him that we find is far more fulfilling than all the titillating things Like the gods of amusement, the pleasures of sports, and so on, that take up all your time and energy, so you hardly pray and seek God. Ho everyone that is thirsty, come ye to the waters, buy and eat, buy without money, buy without price. But if you've quenched your thirst by the loves of the world, you won't come to those waters. And so God begins to shake the things that are shakable so that you come to that place of decision where you finally die. Some of us die really hard. I'm someone, it took a long time for me to die. Yes, it was It's the Jacob in you, which means the deceiver. But Jacob became Israel. God knew how to break him out of that deception, didn't he? And it was at that time of crisis when he finally let go of his own deceptive ways that he had that wrestling and he would not let God go. He still had that hunger for God despite all the deceptions. He wouldn't let him go until he was blessed. He was blessed and he saw God face to face. That's what he says, wrestling with that angel. Yeah, there was Christ in the flesh wrestling with Jacob. And yes, he was about to face Esau and maybe he saw in the face of God the judgment he deserved and thinking, oh man, this is like the face of Esau. He's going to judge me because I deserve judgment for how I deceived my brother and yet here God in his mercy shows mercy to him. But he had to be willing to face Esau and we have to be willing to face the death of our lives to self that we might let go of what has been deceiving us and holding back the blessing of God in our lives of a relationship with him. Not the outward physical blessings of wealth, although he can entrust people with wealth when their pleasure is not in the pleasures of this world because they will use it not for the pleasures of this world, but for the things that last forever and ever. I go on to share here Tuesday, 2 Timothy 1 and 1 Chronicles 18, and I always want a bit more insight. Both of these chapters are about not having fear, but power to use the gifts of God to overcome the enemies of God. I'll just touch on it because I probably should get to the one that I received today on Saturday. The real key verse would be in green here. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. The power of God sustains us in persecution for the sake of the gospel that we are being persecuted. What does it say in the word of God? If ye be reproached from the, for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of God and of glory resteth upon you. And so we can rejoice. Hallelujah. it goes on here, and, and then I receive Titus and so on. I'm just touching on it. And it emphasizes sound speech. And the word soundness is repeated over and over, both in Titus here and the word sound, of course, I believe is also in what we just read. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in Titus, it's sound speech it cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. It goes on. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all not answering again or not purloining but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm going to skip Wednesday because I don't know why maybe I wasn't I might have been going through something with the Lord somehow I just didn't see how those two chapters fit together that day although there may be that I just didn't see it I mean it does say in Psalm 69 for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen on me this shows that King David was so consumed with zeal for God to dwell among his people that he was willing to be misunderstood and to take reproach upon himself. I don't know, I've forgotten what's in Titus 1. Maybe Titus 1 does have something on that. It's not a problem, I can go to Titus 1. It's just nearby after all, maybe. Just to touch on, I wasn't planning to touch on Wednesday. But I didn't see something at the time in it. But in Titus 1, what do we have? Titus 1. Whoops. We go to Titus 1. And there we are. In hope of eternal life, verse 2, that God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment, of God our Savior. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior for this cause, and will go on. And then it emphasizes the qualifications to be a pastor. And I'm not going to go into that. And emphasizes that there are many vain talkers and deceivers. People that are slow bellies, are to be reproved before all. And I just don't see, maybe there is some relationship, but let's go on to um, Thursday. Thursday was quite amazing. It was Deuteronomy 20 and Esther 7. And both of these chapters reveal fearlessness of God's people in the face of the enemy about to kill them. And it was that day that Donald Trump and others were facing the enemy would seeks to put them in jail and would not and would no doubt seek to kill them if their plan failed against them and people were talking about the danger of Donald Trump on the news that day being killed assassinated by these wicked people god is likewise calling his people and you and me to be fearless in the face of the enemy and to go on the attack So what do we read? The stipulations for the nation of Israel to go and battle against the enemy is very interesting. They refuse to allow people to be in their ranks that in any way would begin to generate fear that could spread to others. You see, fear is really contagious, but also courage is very contagious. And in these last days, when we face the threat possibly losing all of our living and we have to trust god for our needs or whatever it is are we going to be fearful or are we going to be courageous and allow the zeal of god's house to swallow up anything that is a negative state of being such as fearfulness That is one of the first things that God mentions are the ones that go into eternal torment are the fearful. Fearful for what? Fearful for their own lives because they're all focused on self and like a grasping state of being trying to, oh, this is my life, oh my. But love is willing to give even unto death to lay down your life for others when you you can only do that if you have a love relationship with god because it's a supernatural love much that must dwell within you that is beyond anything of your own natural love and here we read all of these conditions before you face the enemy here oh israel i'm just starting somewhere here around uh, Well, it's a lot to read. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for Yahweh, thy Almighty's, is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of the world, the world that we're called to come out of. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, Ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts be faint. You're commanded not to allow your hearts to be faint. You're commanded fear not and not to tremble. Neither be terrified against because of them. For the Lord your God is he that is goeth with you to fight you against your enemies to save you. So, you know, let's say you got a bunch of Goliath giants up there. What are they if God is with his supernatural angels in your midst? They are nothing. That's why Jacob and Caleb gave a good report because they knew God was in their life. They were living a life of prayer. They were abiding in God and he was in them and dwelling with them in a marvelous way, with their soul, with their spirit. They were born of the spirit brought forth of the spirit of God. So we go on here, and it says this. And the officer shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house. So you're not allowed to fight in the battle if you have a house that you're about to dedicate. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard and hath not eaten of it, let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man eat of it? The tendency for those to have fear would be greater. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Can you imagine? He's about to have a wife and he wants to enjoy her and now he's got to go in a battle. Of course he's going to want to be with his wife. Of course that's going to be difficult. So God understands our weaknesses and he says there's a time and a season for everything in your life. So here you see the liberty. So all the tendencies towards fear are removed. Fear of losing the blessing of having your wife and being able to hold her and love her. Let him go and return unto his house lest he die in battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further unto the people and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. The importance of fearlessness before overwhelming odds that threaten the very existence of your natural life. Yes, we can have such a relationship with God that we are so filled with his spirit supernaturally that all that fear is swallowed up. By our identity in God, which is a love relationship. Yes, perfect love casts out fear. And so what did I get? The other chapter I got was Esther. Now that is another bold stance. This Esther took a bold stance. She was willing to fast and pray and go on an Esther fast for three days when she might have looked ugly before the king and he could have put out that scepter and rejected her and then she would have been killed. But the king marveled that she was willing to be so bold and fearless to come before him. It impacted him. It was such a contrast from his other wife. She was showing respect and reverence unto the king and willing to risk her life. The king admired that love that he saw in her and that is what god is wanting in his bride and the king is a type of jesus christ the head, and she is a type of the bride that god is preparing and he wants this bride to be in that place of fearlessness and of sacrificial love that is willing to pour in a sacrificial way as she did and trust god like Jacob had to trust God when he faced Esau, and he wrestled with the angel. He could have given up and said, I'm not going to face Esau. No, he faced him. He could have given up and not wrestled with that angel, but he faced the face of God's judgment and found that there was mercy because he didn't hide his weakness from God when he was wrestling with him. And that's why it says to come boldly before the throne of grace, in the time of need. Brothers and sisters, we cannot overcome in our own strength. It is a matter of giving our weaknesses to him, not shrinking back and thinking we can do it in our own strength, but coming before him boldly in the time of need, which is the time of weakness, when you're about to be devoured by a lion like many Christians were. And they heard a voice saying, play the man, like one of them was a Justin Martyr. And finally, there was that boldness at the last moment as he brought his weakness before God to face a cruel death for the name of Jesus, that he might have a greater, greater, abundant resurrection. God is calling his people to wake up and to become fearless like Esther, so that the pit that the enemy is digging for the righteous is the very pit that they fall into. And so that is what happened. So what happens is Esther exposes Haman, as we know. We know the story well. She exposes Haman. He says, I'll give you anything under the half of my kingdom. And then he says, so what do you want, Esther? And so Esther replies the following. O king, and if it please the king, she has such reverence. Let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, and I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondman and woman, I'd held my tongue, Although the enemy could not contravail the king's damage. Then king Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? Nestor said the adversary and enemy. Is this wicked Haman? Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen, and the king arising from the banquet of wine, and his wrath went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman, Had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. And I go on, and I got Peter too because I wanted a bit more insight. And it's all about being ready for the coming of the Lord. being reproached for the name of Christ. But I I will go on. Friday, what did I receive? I received, both of these chapters are about the atoning Messiah and the resurrection fruit thereof. And I'd love to go into this. I was in tears reading Matthew 27. Because it just moved me when I read Pilate saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person see to it then answered all the people and said his blood be on us and on our children then released he barabbas unto them and when he had scourged jesus he delivered him to be crucified and they mocked him and cast lots to think that god would go to such depth to love us so and what is isaiah 49 about It is about also, I read the resurrection part of that too. I couldn't help but read the last chapter on the resurrection. It was so good. But Isaiah 49 is on. Israel going through the death experience of their own righteousness. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. That's speaking of the Messiah, obviously, too. That thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, here's the thing. Then I finally get to the last one which is probably the one I should focus on because it's the one I just meditated on. Which is today. And yet I've been preaching for who knows how long. Who knows how long. But I'm going to go into the last one here. Saturday Proverbs 22, Deuteronomy 13. Plus plus Second Thessalonians 1. It says in Proverbs, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the forward or the deceptive. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. So we're talking about deception here. And the thing that deals with deception in the heart, which is what causes us to continue to hold on to self, is humility that really comes out of the fear of God and the fear of God is receiving who God is in reality in our soul in our heart first in his holiness acknowledging that his holiness which is the integrity of his love that will not tolerate corruption is severe in our own life and it is severe in this world with all the suffering we see, but it is not God that is the source thereof. He is only holding in check the corruption and there's consequences. There's the reaping and the sowing of our own evil ways. And when we acknowledge that the holiness of God is good, that he judges severely things in our own life, he did in Jacob's life. But Jacob never lost his hunger for what was real. And so he became Israel, which means he shall be a prince of God from the name Jacob, which means deceiver. He will take by the heel, literally. Proverbs twenty-two seventeen 17-21 Bow down, Thine ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply Thine heart unto my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if thou keep within thee. They shall withal be fitted in thy lips that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsel and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee? Are we those that have the answer of the reason of the hope that is within us because we are abiding in the truth and not deceived into a false gospel that misrepresents the glory of God. I see Christians that get into crazy conspiracy theories and believe the earth is flat. How, how that just totally misrepresents the glory of God. It's so obvious it isn't from scripture and from just and then some people don't even believe the rocket ship went to the moon and landed there i mean come on you want to go out and feel the rocket you want to go out and see for yourself how can you be so you know these things misrepresent the glory of god and it is a deception and yes i still love them if they believe in the lord and receive them as christ received us But these things, these crooked places must be made straight. These rough places must be made smooth in the last days that the God will be glorified because the root of these things is a deception that is often rooted in pride. And presumption does come out of pride and is presumptive to start saying such ridiculous things and believing such ridiculous things that is so self-evident to people that are facing reality that, that is not real. Now we go on and we read. Deuteronomy 13, 3 to 5. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now before this, he's mentioning that there's this prophet and if everything he says comes true, But he's telling you to worship another God. Don't you fall. I'm testing you to see whether you're going to buy into deception. Or you're going to really love God and reciprocate who God is. Or you're going to become like Eve who lost the fear of God the moment she doubted who God was. She lost the fear of God thinking she could be like God. And there's false teaching that tries to say that man can be equal with God or that he was created before the fall equal with God. This takes away from the fear of God. There is no comparison between the Creator and us. You only have to look at the vastness of the universe, the stars. Seven light years to get to the closest star, is it? Or is it five I've forgotten? Some... Stars are way bigger than our sun. In this one Milky Way galaxy, there's between 1 billion and 2 and 4 billion stars. They're not sure exactly how many. And there are billions of Milky Way galaxies. There's enough for every grain of sand to have a 1,000 stars. Enough for 7 billion people on the earth to have some, I forget if it was 18 trillion or 80 trillion stars each. Some people think that God didn't create life on other planets. I don't know. I could speculate on that. That's getting off the topic. I'm sure he did. But he, the, one of the people that died and went to heaven said, the Lord said the lowest, most corrupt life is on earth. So maybe that's why he came here to die on the cross. And maybe the message sent it says, this message is to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth. Who knows if the message hasn't gone out to the rest of the universe. It's all speculation. doesn't matter. But I'm sure that he created many other beings, whether they're angels or what, and other planets when the universe is that big. You know, too many believers have got religious mindsets and they they think in a boxed-in way that the world looks at them and thinks, you, you think there's only life on this planet? Well, yeah, Maybe. It's possible that God created a whole universe in one little speck in a very small galaxy compared to other ones. I don't think so. But who cares? All that matters is... is the, I don't want to know anything that God doesn't want me to know. I just want to know what God wants me to know. And keep myself humble before. We go on here. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son of thy daughter, or the the wife in the, of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is in thine, which is has thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, "Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the an- one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him." Neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare him, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Can you imagine killing your own wife because she told you to go and worship other gods? Yeah. That is how severe God is on sin. It is a cancer, and that is why God used Israel to destroy these nations, because it was such a cancer they were sacrificing their children to demons. Destroying innocent children. And that's happening nowadays. All the abortion, all the other abominations that are happening. Oh, I could go on talking here. i got to close. But you can see what the message is here. The message between these two chapters is deception is unraveled by the fear of god that births humility and integrity so that you and i there was many other verses in this proverb that i could have pointed out to you there were really great verses for example he that loveth pureness of heart that is a beautiful thing to be pure before god you see christ emphasize the importance of the heart not entertaining imaginations of lust, of over-desire for the natural realm that causes one to fall prey to maybe a habit sexually and so on. And yet there are charismatic teachers that go around and say, oh, it's okay. That's not holiness. God wants us to repent and bring every thought and desire in submission and captivity to the obedience of Christ. Why allow yourself to justify something that God is displeased with when he emphasizes the importance of even not imagining evil against our brother and sister in Zechariah over and over? I don't want to condemn people either. I know the struggle I've had being single. But I've always played it safe and said, Lord, forgive me. I feel so weak in this area. Please help me. It's so easy to fall into. Imagining a relationship if you're a man with a woman and vice versa. But God knows. I wasn't made to be single, but he had some reason in my life to keep me single all these years. I fell in love many times and had my heart broken. But now I'm free. And it doesn't matter really because I'm in love with Jesus and that's all that matters. Not that I don't want a wife. I do really badly because I need someone to help me with the work and, I, and I'm still very human. But I know now it's not... I'm not... I'm not there's not a grasping state of being there. I'm only going to receive what I know God is giving. I'm not going to try to work out getting it myself. Okay, I'm going to let God work it out by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God is calling us as his people to be in a place where we are those that are not deceived by false prophets and false teachers, that would turn our hearts away from God and start getting our focus on material wealth and prosperity, there's a place for that if God wants to use some people that way, but that's not where our focus should be. Our focus should be in our spiritual relationship with him, independent of that, because God has chosen the poor, rich, and heirs of the kingdom of God. Because the people that are poor don't have things to, to stop them. If you're still in love with the world, those things hold you back. Once you're free of the love of the world, well, then maybe God can entrust you with those things. You won't use them on yourself. So thank you for listening to this message and God bless you all. And you can support me by going to my website at loverealized.com where I have the ability to be supported. I'm not a nonprofit. Maybe I'll organize to be one eventually. I can use some resources right now to do gospel outreach. I'd like to. Um, I, by the end of the month, I, I'm down to almost zero, okay? And uh, I could use a laptop computer. I gave my laptop computer to someone and they broke it. It's no good. I wanted to use it to go in the meeting hall here and start to present life after death evidences to unsaved people. But I mean, I'm just saying. So you do as you feel led by your by god and uh you can also purchase my book on the afterlife afterlife incredible irrefutable on amazon whatever you want to do god bless you all thank you